This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Exodus chapter five. We're in Exodus chapter five and we're in Egypt. Moses has arrived in Egypt and he is going to have audience with Pharaoh. Pharaoh is going to hear him. Obviously, God said that the ones that knew him and wanted to kill him, which would include the Pharaoh that was in charge when he left Egypt, are gone. They've passed away. And Moses has a clean slate. Now, there's some things here that are they're out of place. And I want, I want to show you that they're out of place. And I want to show you that I think, as far as God's concerned, you could see that God knew that Moses would be ineffective at the very beginning in his mission. And he knew it for a couple of, for a lot of reasons. He knew, first of all, Pharaoh wasn't going to be amenable to it. He wasn't going to be open to the idea of letting the children of Israel go. Second, he knew that Moses was a reluctant servant. And even though Moses was going, Moses didn't want to go and he didn't want to go and do, do what God had told him to do. And he's going to not be the best. He's not going to be vigorous in his service. He's not going to be excited about what he's doing. And that's going to be a problem. And we see that with Moses. We see that in God's call of Moses. And I think we see this in this passage. And I think God is it's obvious that God has prepared for that. I think it's obvious that God has made that something that he sets in course and in motion, knowing that these things are going to happen, knowing the personality of Pharaoh, knowing the personality of Moses, knowing the current situation, and knowing how this is going to be received. God orders things in the way where he can reveal himself the most. And the plagues of Egypt are God's method of showing the Egyptians that he is more powerful than them. Just a little foreshadowing, the plagues of Egypt or the miracles that Moses does in the presence of Pharaoh are powerful, not just because of the very nature of the miracles, the very nature of the plagues that are set upon Egypt, but they're powerful because they directly attack the polytheistic religion that Egypt had. Each plague attacks one of their either ancient or modern day gods. And you go, what's the difference? Egypt had, and most polytheistic religions had ancient gods, and then they would get tired of those and they'd make up new gods. And so they would have gods that more completely met their needs. Because remember, when you create a God for yourself, what you're really doing is making yourself God. Because when you create a God, you are God. You're the creator. And their gods met their needs. And Moses' plagues 
upon them, or better better said, God's plagues upon them, revealed the inadequacies and the holy inability of their gods to do anything in comparable in comparison to the God of gods, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Yahweh, the God of the universe. And when he goes, Moses doesn't, and we don't see Moses being chastised for it, but we do see that it doesn't work out the way the way you would hope it would when you go and ask for something this big. It says, afterwards, Moses and Aaron went and t- in and told Pharaoh. Notice, they've met with the elders. They're saying they're going in, and they say they're going to tell them, tell them to let my people go. And they say, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast in the feast to me in the wilderness. That's not really what it, that's not exactly what I understood God to tell Moses to tell Pharaoh. It's not what God instructed exactly as I read it in chapter three and four. And remember now, Moses wrote chapters three and four. Moses is the writer of the book of Exodus. And so he was told to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go, or he was told to go and lead his people out of Egypt. Moses is the one hedging the bets on this. He feels if he can get them out of Egypt and into the wilderness, that he can get them away from Pharaoh, and Pharaoh won't be able to chase after them or bring them back. I'm not sure where this comes from. And oftentimes, when we do God's will, we always leave ourselves an open door to get away from it, an open door in case it doesn't work out, an open door in case we didn't quite hear from God correctly, an open door in case we don't want to continue down that path. And in many ways, I think that's what Moses is doing here. I'm not sure about that. I can't prove it to you. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not sure why he said it this way. I don't feel like when I read chapters three and four, I don't feel like that God told Moses to tell Pharaoh to let his people go and have a feast in the wilderness. I think he said, bring my people out of Egypt. I think he told Pharaoh, he told Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, period, to let my people go. And that be all there is. We're leaving. We're out of here. But I can't for sure say that. I know Moses wrote this and Moses doesn't give us any indication in chapters three or four that this is what God told him to say. And so I think Moses is telling us In this book, I think Moses is saying, I went and I hedged my bets and tried to do it part way. And let me tell you something. When you hedge your bets with God's God's instruction, with God's direction for your life, with God's calling, with God's revelation to you, when you hedge your bets, it's not going to turn out the way God planned it for you. And it's, let me not say that, it's not going to turn out the way it should according to God's initial revelation to you. It's not going to turn out that way. Why? Because you're not acting in faith. You're, you are giving yourself an out or you're giving the other person out an out. He's, I think Moses is figuring out Pharaoh's not going to let him go just period. So I'm just trying to get him out of here in my own way and in, a, in my own manipulative 
fashion so that I can get them out in the wilderness and Pharaoh realize I, I don't have what it takes to get these people back. So I'm just going to let them on, go on and leave. I'm not sure exactly what Moses is thinking. He had experience in Pharaoh's court and he may have just said, I'm not going to go and ask for the big enchilada right there at the start. I'm just going to ask for a piece of it and see if I can work into what I want. That's not what God told him to do. And I think Moses is telling us it didn't work out well. It says, and Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I shall obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. What he's saying is, I don't know God. Now, listen, the only way for the world and the only way for those around us to recognize God is that there has to be real active faith going on in our life so they can look around and go, oh, oh, there's God. I can see him. Your People are not going to see God in lukewarm faith. They're not going to. They're not going to see God in partial obedience. They're not going to see God when we say to God, look, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it my way. They can't see God when we hedge our bets as to as to how the outcome is going to turn out. There's no way for you when you're walking with God to say to God, listen, I know you wanted them out of Egypt, but I'm just going to take them for a three-day vacation. That's not going to work. That's not how it's going to happen. So many people, when God tells them to do something, try to figure out how to stay in the past that God is abandoning for you so that he can create the future that he has prepared for you. So many people keep their one foot in the past and one good foot in God's promises for the future. And you know what happens? They always bail out back to the past and they never, ever get God's plan for the future. You cannot do that. And if you think that you are going to somehow accomplish that, that is pure foolishness. It is, it is as it, it is as immature and un to tell you the truth, as far as I think of it, it's immature to the point of not really even knowing God. If you think you you're going to please God with some portion of obedience born of faith or just obedience because you, you're afraid God's going to be upset with you, that's just not going to work. It never has. It never will. God has told Moses to do something really big. There's no way for Moses to do the big thing part way. There's no way for you to do the giant things that God has for you in your life par partially or half-heartedly or with a escape exit right there on the side built into the plan. You can't do that. And Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may hold a feast in, to me in the wilderness. That's not what God said. And Pharaoh's going, I don't know your God, and I'm not letting them go. Why? Because... Lukewarm faith brings about no change in the world. Lukewarm faith doesn't do anything. Half-hearted obedience is really no obedience at all because you've given yourself an out to what God planned for you. He says in verse 4, So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. 
Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord of God, Lord our God, lest he fall upon with pestilence, fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Notice, he's not telling Pharaoh that you're going to face this. He's telling Pharaoh that we're going to face this. Notice, he said, so they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Notice, please let us go three days' journey in the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God. Now he's begging. Now he's pleading with Pharaoh. The reason he's pleading with Pharaoh is because Pharaoh Pharaoh had the impression that all Moses was asking for was a little vacation out in the wilderness for a little feast. And Pharaoh goes, no, I don't know you. I don't know the God you're talking about. I'm not letting you go. Now we're relegated to begging. When he could have just walked in there and said, let my people go or suffer the consequences from the God who sent me. He didn't say that. He said, let my people go to have a little bit of a vacay. And Pharaoh says no. And he says, please let us go. Notice, and he says, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. What he's saying is, lest something bad might happen because we didn't do what he told us to do. That That's not how that works. And that's not how that it doesn't make any sense in light of what God told Moses to do. And I think Moses is letting us know that he didn't do this wholeheartedly. He didn't do it the way it ought to be done. So the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. He's saying, I'm not letting them go, and I'm not stopping them from working. We've got jobs to do. We've got things to get done. Your request is denied. And it's not a forceful request. It's not a, it's not a persuasive request because it's not a faith-filled request. It's not, a, it's not someone walking in faith and telling, telling Pharaoh exactly what God said. God's going to rain down plagues on Egypt. He's going to do that like they've never seen before. It's about to be back-to-back plagues over and over again. And Pharaoh doesn't realize that's coming. And the truth is that Moses is not helping Pharaoh because he went in with such tepidness. He went in with such weakness that Pharaoh doesn't really understand what he's dealing with. Boldness in faith gets attention. A lack of boldness in faith gets nothing. Oftentimes, I hear people lament what's happened to the modern-day denominations and the modern-day church. What's happened is there's a lot of tepidness. There's a lot of wanting to be loved by God and loved by the world. The Apostle John, who was the beloved of Jesus, who was a teenage boy when Jesus, Jesus walked the earth, he was the one that kept calling himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know what he said? He said, you can't have the love of the world and the love of God in you. They don't go together. You can't love the world and love God. You can't serve two masters. You'll hate the one and love the other. And let me tell you something. If you've got two masters and one of them's the world or the one of them's your own will and the other's God, you're going to love the world or you're going to love your will and you're going to hate God in the middle of this. He says you can't do that. And I think that's what happened with Moses here. I think Moses said, I think Moses said that, 
please let us go rather than let us go because God said so and let God deal with Pharaoh. Now he's, now he's caused a problem. And I want you to see that now he's caused a major problem. So that same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their offices saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make their brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves and you shall lay on them a quota of bricks, which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. We're going to spend some time on this tomorrow, but I think you need a little foreshadowing as we discuss verses 1 through 5 today. When you act in faithlessness, when you're lukewarm in your walk with God, when God instructs you and you choose your own way partially and his way partially, when you do things with half-heartedness, it usually results in worse circumstances, worse situations. Things begin to be not as good as even they were before. And so when you show up to God's house and you have issues and problems, and then you approach them in such a way that you, I, the only way for me to say it is that you, you do it in such a way that, that it is weak and tepid. Oftentimes, you cause yourself more issues than you had before. The boldness of faith may be disturbing. It may be eye-opening. It may be such that other people look and go, wow, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. But it also is effective, and it also changes lives. And nobody wants, nobody wants someone, they're not attracted to someone who is weak and who is fearful. That, that is not attractive. That is that is the definition of unattractive. And so if we're going to be a people that see God move in big ways, we have to be a people who are bold in our faith. And we can't go in and we just can't go in and act unfaithful to God, which means we're partially obedient to him and expect to get the big things in life. If you're doing that, let me say this to you. If you're doing that, it's not helping. It's hurting. Be bold, be loving, be purposeful, be passionate, and be obedient by faith, and results will happen from it. I know you can. I know you will. I expect it for you. You know why? Because my God would not have spoken to you had he not planned for the very, very best to be a part of your life. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.